everybody. You are listening to Hawk Talk, episode seven on social media. And today I'm joined by two very special guests and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Julie Hall. I do the social media marketing membership with the Horticultural Trades Association. And I run my own training company called The School of Marketing. Thanks, Julie. Hi, I'm Bryony Taylor-Edwards. I'm head of marketing and a buying manager at Yarnton Home and Garden. And I also have a small branding agency called Fletcher Rays. Thank you both very much. And thank you very much for agreeing to join us today on Hort Talk. So this month's uh, topic is on social media. So I'm going to start with a broad question. And when we talk about social media, what are we actually referring to? Who wants to go first? <laughs> you go, Julie. You're probably best at the broader. <laughs> well, I mean, when we're talking about social media, we're really talking about using platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, but sometimes we can also be talking about Pinterest, YouTube, uh, TikTok. You know, social media is really a great place to connect with our customers, to talk to them through comments, through sharing images, hopefully engage, ask questions. And it's a just a public place where we can come together and give a different side to our business than perhaps people might see traditionally in our physical outlets or even on our websites. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with Julie. I think from the garden centre point of view, we use it really just to build those relationships. It adds another layer. And I would say they're important platforms because they might be how someone comes across us for the first time. They may not have been in store. So they might come across us via social media. So it's that kind of digital touch point that I'd say is really important. Of the things I just want to pick up from what you said, Bryony, is I think one of the mistakes that people often think is they think of social media as a sales channel, right? It's a place where we can go and promote the different things that we're selling. It's a place where we can put up ads and just talk about all the sales and stuff that we've got on. The problem is that today in social media, all of the social media channels, every single one is looking for engagement and connection. So that looks like people commenting, sharing, reading the things that we're posting. And if your social media feed is just full of sales stuff, right? We've got this on sale, come into the garden center, rather than adding value, or as you said, Bryony, building a relationship, then the the social channel is just never going to build any traction because each of the different social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, all they're looking for is for people that want to see and engage and like your content. And if you're not creating stuff that people are going to be doing that with, then you might as well be invisible. How do you think social media has changed in engaging new customers and returning customers compared to traditional ways of um, getting a message about your business out there, whether it be leaf, leafleting, newspaper, radio adverts, whatever it may be, how has social media had an impact on that? Um, I, think if, I think from Yanton's point of view, what we've found is what social media does is it starts a conversation we can continue having with a customer. So we can find new potential customers via the social channels 
or people might come into store and then go and follow us on social media. And it allows for a really fluid, easy way of having direct contact with the customer. It's also an amazing way for us to gain feedback. Like today on our social media, on our Facebook, we've just advertised the fact that we're making our roads much safer for people coming in by foot. And already we've got lots of people from the local village saying, you know, you really listen, thank you. This was really necessary when we're coming in with prams. So I think it allows for this really relaxed, fluid way of engaging with customers, which we never had before, you know, a print advert, a radio advert. It's very one way, whereas social media is a two way relationship. And that's why if you are going to do it, you have to realize that that you need to actually engage in that conversation, answer comments, be available, handle criticism. So you have to have a whole strategy in place ready for everything that social media might throw up. I love that. That's a great example, Bryony, of, you know, as you said, listening to the customer, right? And then they're responding to that. I think when we look at those traditional advertising methods, exactly that the problem is that it is just one way. Whereas with social media, you can see the effects of that immediately through comments, through shares, through um, messaging that people are doing with you. But the other thing, of course, is that we have analytics, right? Right. So with all of those other methods, while we might do a few things like maybe have a special coupon code or something along those lines, it's not the same as being able to look at the hard figures on your social media insights as to how many people have seen something, how many people have clicked on something, how many people have shared something, how many people have commented on something, and actually looking at that information over a period of time and as a, as a way of upping your game from a marketing perspective, having that data is absolutely invaluable. And what kind of impact can a good social media campaign strategy have on a business from a positive and negative point of view? Um, for instance, what what the first thing I did um, when I first started Yarnton is they do an annual grotto for the children and we did a video so we, we invested in video which we do quite a lot but we invested in a professionally shot video and that grotto was really slow to generate sales and the moment we posted that video we sold out within a really short time frame and it had like thousands and thousands of views so we knew instantly that that was, you know, what felt like a big investment at the time to invest in a film. And, you know, that felt very extravagant from a garden center's marketing budget point of view. It's been absolutely huge. And what it's done is actually create a bit of a legacy. So now we do one every year because our customers look forward to and anticipate that video. So yesterday I've just released this year's one. And as soon as the video goes live, we find that the grotto sales just go through the roof. And we don't have any problem now selling out with the grotto. Um, so that's an example of how for a specific campaign, it can be used really powerfully. And we do, we haven't done this year, but we do, we did in the past boost that with a little bit of money um, behind the advertising of that video, but we don't so much need to anymore um, because it sells out so quickly. So that's obviously a really positive example. Um, Obviously, the, the pitfalls of social media is you're allowing anyone in the party to stand up and tell you, you know, I always say being on social media is like 
getting up on the table at a party and shouting something to the whole room and you're effectively allowing anyone to get on the table at your party and shout anything they want to the whole room so that that can happen if they have a bad experience or if they're not happy um, with something that's happened at the center and that's why you sort of need to keep your wits about you and have a strategy in place for if that happens you know, how are you going to react? What's your plan? And how are you going to turn it, that customer around? So they're then saying, wow, they've handled that really well. So turning that into a positive. So they're sort of more specific examples. Fantastic. Brilliant. I love that. You guys are like the John Lewis of the garden center world. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what we ended up doing without even meaning to. We're like, heart out, John Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges is exactly like Bryony said, is you on social media, when you're out there, you are out there, which means that you can get the good, the bad and the ugly certainly coming out towards your garden center and where where you might see this might be in your reviews. If you've got reviews on Facebook um, and you might see it in comments like where you've got a disgruntled customer that's complaining about you know, something that the garden center has, has or hasn't done. But I don't think that's a good enough reason not to do it. And as long as you are really clear on how you're going to handle those negative comments when they come in and do handle them, because if you ignore them or stick your head in the sand, then it just sits there for the whole world to see. And they will judge you positively or negatively for that. And when some when you reply to a negative bit of feedback that somebody has left, people are smart enough to judge whether or not their initial comment is reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. So if the initial comment is reasonable and you apologize and best rule of thumb is to just take it offline as soon as you can, you don't want to be having that conversation with them in that public forum. So usually you would take that to either direct message or a phone call. Um, and just let, you know, let people know, though, that you're you're dealing with it and you're sorry for the inconvenience, um, then you will come out looking great. If they are being unreasonable and um, in terms of what they're saying, then you can remove the comment. And from my perspective, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. If somebody is trolling your Facebook page or your Instagram page, you can hide it from your feed. Um, and but again, you can and you can block them as well. So they can't continue to leave that negative feedback on your page. Um, but also you can acknowledge that and just, you know, take the high ground. And again, people will see that they're being unreasonable and you're being reasonable. So can I, can I add to that as well? Yeah, please. Because I think what, what we've witnessed is that the community tends to sort it out for you. And it's been this like amazing thing where if you have loyal followers that have had a good service from you and someone is absolutely slagging you off, you know, we found this with COVID around highly sensitive decisions that we had to make around opening, closing, which parts of the centre. And everyone was really um, on different sides, you know, over COVID, feeling very differently and very passionately about it. But we, um, we found that we did everything you said, Julie, which is 
hundred percent um work to our advantage you know always commenting and taking things off um offline as quickly as possible but if someone is being really unreasonable we have also found that our community will rise to our defense which has been lovely so I haven't had to say too much in some instances <laughs> which has been you know ama amazing because then you realize the power of it yeah definitely I think uh, and they will come to your defense as well which is so interesting um when uh when I was running a training um i was doing a session on reviews and you know what kind of feedback people give and there are two areas particularly where garden centers will get negative feedback one is the cafe right yep. so um and and feedback is feedback right you know if you're getting a lot of people complaining about something then quite often it's a sign that this is an area that needs to be looked at so people will either love you or hate you for your cafe. The other, can you guess what it is? Dogs. Oh, don't even talk to me about dogs, Julie. Can you have bring dogs into the garden centre? I yes get a no? message <laughs> five times a day about blinking dogs. <laughs> So true. And and you can't get it right is the thing. So you can't. You know, yes or no, either way. So just um, you've just got to make that decision and then and then own it for what you know, for what it is, mm. whichever way you've decided to go. Well, we're horribly in the middle because dogs are allowed in the garden centre, but not the cafe and concessions. <laughs> we straddle this awful middle ground between. Yes, we do love dogs, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes dogs are a painful topic <laughs> but also this often if you have like a garden set um a garden center pet like you know some garden centers might have a cat or a um mm. a dog or whatever that can be the thing that people want to see most on your social media feed right yeah. they love dogs animals. people love dogs yeah yeah <laughs> But I agree with Julie. I, I think it's 100% a free market research tool. So if you're going to be highly defensive and very, very precious, then social media isn't for you because you're just going to end up coming across as highly defensive and that's going to upset people. So I think, um, you know, it, it's an amazing place to garner feedback. And with Instagram, you can do it in a really specific way now with polls and questions so it's great if you've got things in the planning as well. Um, it's a great place to go and ask your audience. And it's really exciting for them, you know, if they're voted on a dish in the cafe, you know, would you like to see this or that? And then they come in the next week and there it is, and they feel part of that center. You know, they feel like they're part of the decision-making process. So I do think it's a really useful tool. You just have to keep your defenses low. And I would say if anyone ever says anything on social media that really riles you just walk away before you reply at someone with a, a you know less involved because we I like Julie said the cafe comes up a lot and of course the chef takes it incredibly personally um that's why we don't let him anywhere near it <laughs> because it is quite hard to maintain that sort of distance because we all know the work and effort and love that we put into our garden centers so we know that when we get negative feedback, you know, it is hurtful. We know that our teams are working hard, but it is important just to go, okay, 
I'll put that down like you would with anything in life that's maybe a little bit um, triggering. Just leave it and then just work out your response. I do think as well, you have to remember that it's a lot easier for someone to complain behind their keyboard than it is in person or how they might you know in in days gone by they may have had to write a letter as a complaint Mm. you know it's much easier for someone to just pop online and say something um now than than it ever has been so I think we you know you can't take too much um to heart from from that side and what would you both say to um those people that say that social media is a young person's tool now um do you think it is for everyone do you think it's beneficial to everyone they haven't met the modern granny (laughs) (laughs) no my nan follows me on instagram so you you know know, i don't know what world they're moving in i mean julie will know a lot more in terms of statistics but i wouldn't assume anything about who who is and who isn't on social media these days and Um, I'd say a lot of my interactions on social media with customers, they're not necessarily young people. Um, They're a whole range of people. So that's my own personal experience. But Julie might be able to tell us more with some stats. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. First off, I'm 53. So (laughs) I'm I'm not the modern granny yet. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely, I don't think social media is just the remit of the young. Um, On Facebook, the largest demographic group is 35 to 44, which female women. So uh, and um, and what we're seeing on Instagram, um, again, is that the age is rising. TikTok is for the younger demographics. But even then, we're seeing more, more and more people going on to TikTok, YouTube is the most popular, uh, obviously the most popular video channel, but it's where we go to learn how to do things all the time. And there is, I just think, I think it's a red herring to think about age, to be honest, when it comes to social media. Some people are on social media, some people aren't, but I, you know, even, even the old fashioned granny is probably on Facebook. They're just not actively commenting, but they are definitely stopping on there. <laughs> and so what would you say are the um, the best platforms to, if, you were, if you're not as au fait with social media for your business and it's something that you want to get more into, what platforms would you suggest to use in the first instance? Bryony, what platforms are you guys on? Well, I would say... The first thing I would say is that you really need to look at what time and resource you have to put behind your your platforms. So I'd never overcommit. And I think it's always better to do one well than three or four bad. Absolutely. Um, we are we chose for our own reasons of demographic and the research we've done, um, we decided to do Facebook and Instagram, and that's worked incredibly well for us I mean I'd be fascinated to know if Julie has any experience of garden centers using TikTok um, and I'm sure Pinterest would be visually very stimulating if you had a brilliant photographer and stuff but yeah for us we've gone for Facebook and Instagram and they are two well-performing platforms we you know we've grown them organically and we have a lovely we have a lovely relationship with our following on those platforms so they've worked well for us. 
Yeah, so I would agree. I think if you are time poor, then Facebook and Instagram definitely is where you should be spending most of your time. It's where most of your audience are. Um, if you are looking to reach a younger demographic, Instagram and you could experiment with TikTok. There have been on the social media marketing membership that we just ran, there was um, one of the garden centers was experimenting with TikTok and having some fun with that. The thing, the thing is what's really popular right now is video and Instagram reels, TikTok, and I suspect we're gonna see, well, we're already seeing Instagram reels playing on Facebook. Um, I think, it's more about thinking about how you're showing up on these social channels and and it's you know I get it like doing video feels challenging it feels awkward it's exposing it's um it, it kind of brings up lots of stuff for us but it is right now the kind of content that most people are watching even the older generations so um so I would say time poor Facebook and Instagram, because it's not much different to convert what you're doing on Facebook into Instagram and vice versa. Um, I would use a tool like Canva, which is a graphics tool, which allows you to resize your graphics really quickly so that they suit the platform. So you can make that transition between the two platforms really easily. If you are into a bit of experimentation, then experimenting a little bit with doing short videos. And they are short, like 15, 30 seconds. They're really not long. You don't, and they also don't have to be like the Christmas one that you did, Bryony. You know, they can, they're informal, people talking to camera, showcasing some of your products. People will love that kind of content. Um, and then the other one, which you did briefly mention, it, Bryony, is Pinterest. And the thing about Pinterest is that it is essentially a shopping search engine. So that's why I think it's worth experimenting with, but it would definitely be third or fourth on my list, not first or second, only if you've got time. And ideally, if you love the platform, because, um, because Pinterest, the way that Pinterest works is it's basically a visual search engine. People go on there to search for, how to um, basically how to look better or how to make their homes look better really is what it's for. Um, so when we were doing our loft conversion, I was looking at different loft staircase ideas. When we were doing our garden, I was looking at different <laughs> garden pathways. <laughs> uh, Alex is just showing us some of her Pinterest boards, right? So yeah. people use Pinterest for inspiration and if you see a product that you like, um, that, you know, some of you are selling, like say, think about summer, you're selling fire pits or outdoor garden furniture or gravel, you know, any of those types of products, as well as plants, you know, how to decorate a room in a particular way. I've just moved into my new brand new garden cabin. You know, what are some plants that I could have in here that aren't going to need watering all the time? You know, things like that, that, inspire people and if when they read that piece it takes them to your website where you're selling an item yeah. if your garden center does have an e-commerce element facebook and instagram both have direct shopping capability within the social platforms which is 
I think magical to be honest <laughs> like it's amazing it that is, somebody yeah. can look at a picture that you've posted on your Instagram and you can link the different items directly to your online shop is, yeah you know it's phenomenal it's such a great opportunity it it is and I think that's why you know that's where the power of social is is that you don't have to have really huge budgets you have to have commitment and you have to train yourself or train someone within the business um but once you're up and running with it you know it's a tool that anyone can use and I think that's why it's so valuable for the garden center industry to have a go at these you know to not get left behind especially in the online world you know but also what's so valuable is what what I always say to, to my team is we have what other what other online retailers simply don't have. And that is this amazing expertise. You know, we're so skilled within the center. We've got, you know, plants, men and women that have so much knowledge, tips. And, you know, it's my job as the head of marketing to really draw on all of that, because that to me is what sets us apart from the other online players. Yeah, having that expertise, I think is massively underutilized. Mm. It's one of the things I talk about quite a lot in the social media program that we do, which is, you know, about using that expertise to teach people how to do things, mm. you know, because one of the things that, and this, every, every retailer, every business, I think kind of forgets this, but most of the people that are coming into you will be coming in with that beginner mindset, right? And we assume that people understand how things work, how, you know, when we should be planting bulbs, what kind of bulbs should we be planting? How do you even plant a bulb? You assume because you sell bulbs that everybody understands the product and that's not the case. And social media can be a great place to go and do that. But the other thing I was just gonna go back and say about the online shopping, is it can feel slightly overwhelming about you know turning all your products into an e-commerce store but there are there are tools out there like sum up for example is one where you could just choose 10 items that you want to sell on social media just 10 and you can even set it up so that people do click and collect if you don't want to worry about delivery stuff. And it's a great way for you to experiment with some of these tools without having to make that full transition to turning all your products into a Shopify store or, you know, using another kind of online e-commerce capability. You can test out e-commerce functionality really easily with um, and at a very low cost if you want to and are willing to do a little bit of experimentation. So if we so let's use Instagram as an example if if um, a business is thinking about starting an Instagram account or wants to change up their account what does a good example of using that social media platform look like because you can you can go online now and I mean you've got people whose actual jobs now are influencers on these platforms and that's what they do day in day out and you know you can see all these filters and all these options and everything and it'd be quite overwhelming what can you do to create a really striking um profile that will draw those people in what what is a good example of of that I would say before you get to the point of starting any profile or doing any marketing, I would really encourage the 
centering question or what I would do say if I was sitting with the centering question to really tease out what their strengths are as a centre and what their key messages because every garden centre is different. Um, for us, there's a big, you know, it was run by two twins for 50 years. It, it was so much about the community. And when I began, I didn't want to lose any of that. And it's, you know, we've got a magic garden, therefore we're very much about the family. So it's about working out who you are. And from that, where are we strong and what are our messages and what do we want to build our marketing around? And I think once you've done that work, going onto a platform is much easier because you then know that you want to really get the messaging right. You want to be appealing to the right audience by you know, showcasing that you're family friendly, showing the community initiatives you've done with the local football team or the local community center, whatever it might be. We do seeds for schools. So we do a lot within our, we genuinely do a lot within our community. We don't just say it, we genuinely do do an awful lot. Um, which we're very proud of and we absolutely love doing. So it's about knowing where your strengths are, because then I know that we do do that. So that's something I really do want to talk about on social media um, and knowing your skill set in house as well. I know how knowledgeable certain people are around plants, around garden furniture, and then building up your marketing plan around that. Now, I mean, Julie might have some ideas. We are we do have a photographer that we use but we also do take our own pictures so our feed is a mix of professional and our own pictures i think that it is very visual you have three seconds to create a visual impact so there is no point taking a sad looking picture of a sad looking sandwich and thinking, <laughs> is it not getting any traction you know so I would suggest to any marketing, anyone I was working with from a marketing point of view, that you, even if you can't afford something regular, that you would at least have a quarterly photo shoot of things on the menu, plants, and start building up an image library. Because once you've got your image library, the business is so seasonal, you can reuse that content throughout the years. You know, people are not gonna remember if you posted that wreath two years ago as the one you're posting now. So I definitely think photography is a really key investment and would be money hugely well spent, but also um, just having some basic knowledge about how to take a good photo is obviously key. I don't know if you agree, Julie, and then obviously Julie's mentioned Canva, but those are my sort of thoughts on how to build up a feed. Yeah, I love the idea of building up a photo library of professional photos, but I definitely recommend that you have one or two people within your garden center that are good at taking photos. And some people are naturally have that eye, right? They've got a they've got an eye for composition. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> my, my husband's the the family photographer, but um, but some people just have a really good eye for how things put together. They understand how to make soft backgrounds. They understand color combinations that, you know, they've got that visual capability. So I would seek out, first off, I would seek out anyone in the garden center that loves to do that, you know, because odds are 
particularly in a larger garden center, you will have people on your team who love taking photos. So encourage that, use that interest and that passion. And then if, if it needs a bit of work, if they need to understand lighting and things like that, invest a little bit in their training because it will pay off so much, not only in the loyalty of that staff member, but in the quality of the images that you take. And Instagram is a visual visual social platform you know pictures matter and it and having a feed that works together that looks cohesive that's tied together you know choosing a style of feed that you're going to be using and there are a few different kinds of ways you can do some feed layouts um, having a set color scheme that matches and works with your garden center. It doesn't necessarily have to be the colors of your logo. It might be something that's complementary to that, but having a set color scheme, having a set style that you use. But the thing about styles, what works well is not having something that's the same each time, but something like maybe having five or six different variations of, of styles that work together. And then understanding how you're going to use imagery. If you're going to use a filter, use the same filter each time or use the same, you know, again, the same style of um, coloring. Like if you're going to have quite bright photos, colorful photos, you don't then want to have that going up against something that's really muted and maybe grays and whites and browns. You need it to, when somebody looks at the feed, that it looks like it works together. Um, and then just mixing up the type of content. So I one of the things I talk about is creating different content buckets. So these might be things which are like behind the scenes, how to's, engagement posts. So you're, I loved your idea, Bryony, of asking what should be our special this week or asking people what's your favorite sandwich or what, you know, what's your favorite dessert that we make? So you're getting that kind of engagement. Um, then having something which is promotional, new items that are in the garden center. Each of these are different content categories. So having that broad mix so that it's, it feels like when someone goes in, it feels like it's something fresh it's something interesting it's something they want to look at read engage with find out more about all of those things really help to build a successful feed but I'm not going to kid you either it takes time to build a following on social media so you're going to also have to work in the garden centers encouraging people to do it maybe running competitions, maybe asking, putting a secret, like an Easter egg in your, an Easter egg is like a hidden thing in your Instagram feed and then having a competition where anybody that finds the Easter egg can win something, a coffee in the cafe or whatever that is, so that you're encouraging people to engage with the feed that you're creating as well. And you've both mentioned training and having people within the business that are trained in social media do you think it is a crucial thing that there are staff members that are specifically trained in social media yes a hundred percent what that training looks like it doesn't have to be a degree you know it could be a couple of hours with Judy <laughs> I think I think where a lot of people fall down is they go yes yes we want to do social media now garden centers are really busy 
and mm-hmm. before you know, like Christmas is in and this is in and and then before you know it you're called into a million different directions so it is a it's about commitment and it is about consistency it's also moving the mindset from this is a fluffy nice to have thing to this is really important part of our marketing strategy and I think it's shifting that mindset within senior management perhaps to actually taking it quite seriously and therefore allowing the time and allowing someone to do it consistently and finding and providing the training which is where you guys and Julie come in. Yeah, I agree. I think you, I mean, social media moves so quickly. What it's more important, I think, that you have somebody that's a good communicator that that really enjoys social media. Um, having somebody that is responsible for your social media as well, like it doesn't have to necessarily be full-time, but having somebody who's who actually does have the time and is given the time and the resources to build out the social channel, right? So if you said to somebody, create an Instagram feed for us and you don't give them the ability to either take great pictures or have great pictures that are available to them, it's gonna be hard, right? So you do need to invest in people and tools. Things like Canva, right? Canva's 11 pounds a month for the pro version. And I do recommend the pro version because 11 pounds is probably an hour or even less than an hour of somebody's time. And the time it will save them is like many hours, right? So that 11 pounds a month, and I know you're a fan of Canva, Alex. I really Um, am, yep. (laughs) That 11 pounds a month will pay for itself over and over and over again in the time that it saves somebody. It will also save in them in terms of the design capability that it will build. And also don't expect, I think one of the the things I hear is that um, senior management will say, you know, promo this, promo that, like, and they will expect social media to be that massive sales push and sales channel for whatever products are coming up. But the reality is that's just not how it works. It is there to work alongside the other things that you're doing, but don't ask it to produce miracles for you. Um, You know, you need to understand how the channel works and give it time to grow, give it time to create that loyalty, build that relationship, to, um, to get the engagement and the connection with your customers, and it will pay off, but it's not a, you know, it's not like running an ad, it's not, it's a much slower and more connected process I think I totally I totally agree with that and I think if you think of it as a sales channel you you've already tripped up it's a brand awareness tool I can completely sympathize that maybe you know with some senior managers that they need to sort of understand it's it's power socially rather than from a sales perspective I know you know and there is a sales benefit like a somebody that follows your page, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, is worth 1.6 times more than somebody that doesn't. So commercially, there is value in it, but it is not quite as easy to create the connection 
as we might like. Like I said, you know, you can on data in from a data perspective, we can see what people are doing. But particularly if you don't have an e-commerce um, element, you can't see that direct one-to-one -one social media to sales uh, connection. But what you can do is just know the statistics say that somebody that follows you is worth 1.6 times more. So having a follower on social media is definitely of value to your garden center because people choose to follow a brand partially because it's uh, for them, it's about their identity, right? Their, that brand connection is they've chosen to follow you because you mean something to them, right? And that in itself is incredibly powerful. If you don't give them that opportunity, then they have nowhere further to go with that. And I think the other, you know, it's not, you've both talked a lot about, the connection, the engagement, the fact that it's about that two-way conversation. And also, I think we've got to remember that garden centres have been a destination for a very long time. You know, you don't just necessarily come to buy your plants. You know, Janssen's got an amazing soft play. Um, you know, there are, there are lots of other reasons why we, we go to these places. And connecting on social media means that your audience is just that much wider. Your potential for customer coming through the door is that much greater when they can see these things and engage with you beforehand. Um, they don't just have to be in your local community anymore. I think that's I, I also what I really liked about that, Alex, is that it is, you know, it keeps you front of mind, social media. Right. If somebody's liking your stuff and they're engaging with you, they will see lots mm. of it. Um, and it just keeps you there all the time. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, they can't forget about you. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both very, very much for agreeing to join us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Hawk Talk Episode 7 on social media. Stay safe, everyone. Take care. <laughs>